The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. This time, we are looking at three media sources that are great for Dark Ages. It could be TV shows, YouTube channels, movies, books, whatever. These are things that we think could be interesting to anyone running or playing a Dark Ages game. So let's jump straight into it. Peter, what's the first you got? Well, first I got for you, dear listeners, a TV show by BBC called Tony Robinson's Worst Jobs in History. Uh, and those familiar with Tony Robinson knows that he probably uh, had the worst job in history because he played the character of, of Baldrick in the Black Adder TV series. Uh, the servant, if you haven't seen the Black Adder TV series, go see it. Yes. Uh, amazing costumes uh, and everything <laughs> else as well. Uh, he plays the servant, the, the manservant Baldrick to the obnoxious uh, Black Adder uh, played by Rowan Atkinson. Uh, and the worst jobs in history show is um, uh, it's not necessarily it's not not just from uh, the dark ages it starts out i think in in roman times and uh, each episode is a different time period and he looks through uh, different jobs uh, that that were really really crappy so uh, for instance being a slave or working uh, as a uh, uh, child chimney sweep in victorian london uh <coughs> can you really call uh being a slave a job you're not really getting paid <laughs> well you yeah but it's 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 something you you work with at least so uh, oh that's but, true that's true but yeah it's um it's a very down-to-earth and well-produced show uh where he um where he shows the the kind of sides uh of uh, usually production that we don't really think about uh, that we need anymore or, or um, we've developed ways uh, so that we don't have to do it anymore. Uh, and what I find uh, s- slightly interesting, uh, perhaps because I'm a bit childish, childish, is the amount of jobs requiring urine uh, to do <laughs> Because urine as uh, as a raw material has been used literally for ages and for quite a lot of different things. Uh, it's it's been used um, in in medicine um, to Ech. to make sterile uh, wrappings. I'm oh, not sure well. how sterile they would actually be after a while, but um, it's been it's been used in wrappings. It's been used uh, again in my favorite subject: uh, uh, dyeing uh, clothes. Uh, as a mordant or as a dye fixative, uh, yeah. which in the medieval uh, the, the episode on, on medieval jobs, you have him uh, stomping uh, cloth in a huge vat of urine. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for him, it's not the worst thing that he has to do. So <laughs> uh, I'm not going to spoil it, it for you. But um, yeah, I, I can recommend it at least uh, if you ever, ever want to uh, figure out what you can do with a lot of urine, then that show is, is good. Uh, one of the things you can actually do is gunpowder. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my first one. Have you seen this show, Jacob? No, I it, it I th- think I know that he did it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I think I've seen another history show. He's done some kind of archaeology show, right? Mm. 
Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I'm fairly certain that he's done some kind of archaeology show in Britain, right? Uh, yeah. If, uh, is it Time Team? Is that the one with... Time Team. Yeah, yeah that's that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I've seen some of that. Uh, so it, it sounds like something that I can definitely... Uh, definitely uh, take a, a look at um where, where can i watch it uh you can probably find at least a few episodes on on youtube uh if nothing else you could probably order them on dvd from bbc um i i the, the episodes that i've seen i've i found them on youtube mm, cool uh all right so uh speaking of youtube my first offering is a youtube channel now people who know me probably think that I'm going to recommend one of the so-called Community of the Sword YouTube channels about weapons and armor and stuff, but surprise, no! Uh, the channel that I'm recommending is called Tasting History, and as you might suspect, it is about historical food. I originally came across it when the host made Hippocrates spiced wine from a medieval recipe. Uh, the channel is still fairly new and it doesn't have that many videos, which means there aren't a ton of videos hitting the Middle Ages, but with one video a week, there will be more. Uh, the guy making the videos is funny and has a very nice voice, uh, and he gives a fair amount of historical context. Now, I know vampires don't actually eat, but understanding food is a good way to gain a greater understanding of society. Yeah, and it's a perfect way to, to set the mood with describing a, a fantastical dinner with stuffed swans and pies having pigeons fly, flying out of them and stuff like that so yeah yeah um and one of the things he does um because these recipes include descriptions of what spices uh, should go into them uh he talks about well where did you get those spices from mm. uh one of the i uh, the the hippocrats wine that he did contains something called grains of paradise and as he said that came from africa but that also shows that, you know, yeah, the in of Western trade. Europe, yeah, exactly. Mm. In Western Europe at this time, you could get stuff from sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I think it's a really great channel. He covers everything from uh, the la latest episode he did at time of recording this uh, was on food from uh, the Spartans. Oh, um, cool. a, a blood soup containing uh, pork which looked fairly disgusting, but according to him, tasted quite well. Okay. Um, and then he's done everything up to the history of the birthday cake. So it covers quite a broad oh, area, and there are cool. a, a, a few things um, related to the Middle Ages. And it's just, it's really interesting because when he covers the history of the dish that he's making, he manages to get so much more into it because he has to explain the the society in which this dish yeah. arose and how you got the things that went into the dish yeah. so yeah it's called tasting history it's on youtube and i can highly recommend it have you tried uh, any of the recipes yourself uh no uh i am quite the uh, the picky eater and oh. uh, f uh, and mo most of them sounds like stuff i i wouldn't like and uh i don't drink alcohol so i can't do the hippocrats wine oh, but okay, yeah. um I'm I'm thinking possibly um, I he had I think it was candied horseradish. Uh, I'm thinking I could I could maybe make that as a snack for a time when when we're playing. That would be nice, yeah. But if any of our listeners uh, try out some of the recipes, let us know how how they taste. 
Yeah. Uh, so, Peter, give me your second entry. Well, my second entry is uh, a trilogy of books, uh, actually four of them. Um, not four trilogies, uh, but four books in a trilogy, because apparently that's a thing that authors do. Uh, and it's uh, the author Bernard Cornwell and his uh, Grail, uh, Grail Quest trilogy. Uh, for those of you who are familiar or not familiar with Bernard Cornwell, uh, he is probably most famous for uh, his sharp uh, series of, of novels about a, a British rifleman officer in the Napoleonic Wars uh, made into a TV show with um, uh, Sean Bean. Uh, as the where, where Sean Bean doesn't die. Surprisingly enough, he doesn't die at all. Uh, and he, uh, he has also... Uh, He's also the man behind the. Is it called the Last Kingdom? About England yeah, the in Last like Kingdom, the yeah. fifth or sixth century. Um, I haven't actually seen that one, and from my, from what I've heard, the the books that the series is based on is better than the books. But uh, the Grail. Quest... Yeah, I, I've I've read I've read the books. Um, the first I think I think I, I think I read the first three books, and then it just spiraled. Um, uh, to something so big that I, I thought, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not keeping up with this. And from what I've heard, the TV show is kind of similar to the TV show Vikings in that it's very much Hollywood history. Oh, okay, yeah. That, uh, that immediately turned me off, at least from the, the show. So, uh, <laughs> But the, the Grail Quest trilogy um, is... Um, uh, it's it's set in the 14th century in um, in the beginning of the Hundred Years' War between um, between England and France, and its main character is uh, an archer uh, in the army uh, in the in the English army, and uh, it takes him uh, down through France and and fighting in a lot of the the main battles. Uh, so um, at least the first book, uh, and then he also goes to uh, Scotland in the second book because the Scots invaded England in thirteen forty seven, I think it was. Uh, and it's it's a very good book if you want the really dirty and and nitty gritty um, soldiers soldiering. Basically, it, it, he he doesn't try to romanticize or uh, or wash over anything. It's it's blood and guts and gore. Uh, and as a content warning, uh, there is some sexual abuse in it as well, uh, but it's it's a lot better written than, for example, uh, the Clash of Wills. Was it called that? The adventure. Clash of Wills. Yes. Yeah. So um, so be aware of that. But but overall, it's it's a very good description of uh, both the the lives of lowborn soldiers. Um, which uh, the main character, uh, I think this is the one uh, called Thomas of Hookton. Um, yes, yes it is. Uh, and because he also has written a book about Ashenkor uh, in 1415 about another English uh, archer uh, yeah. that has a very, I think is called uh, Nathan Hook, so quite similar names. Mm. Um, but what I really like about this, uh, these books um, it's it's mainly about the war and uh, about uh, Thomas uh, kind of finding him his place um, in in society and there is a side uh, kind of side story about um, uh, heretics and possibly the Holy Grail uh, as well. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's uh, uh, it's a very good story and uh, he manages to have. Um, 
he, he managed to cover a lot of subjects from uh, medicine back day. He, uh, he he talks about or writes about how the Jews are treated, uh, about kind of like the the gray zone between superstition and religion, and and a lot of uh, topics like that. So so it's it's a very good. Um, way to to get a feel for for what life during the the beginning of the hundred years war um, was um, and i can highly recommend it yeah i've read the fourth book which um covers is it is it crecy it covers the battle of crecy or that it ends with sort of the battle of crecy uh yes um, i think that's the one yeah 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 because i uh before we started recording, we talked about it, and I had that mixed up with with uh, the book that he also wrote about Ashinkur. Mm. But yeah, it's the Battle of Crecy, and I I didn't know that that the fourth book was was sort of uh, a part of a trilogy in four parts. Oh, okay. Um, and I loved I loved that one. Mm. Uh, so I should probably go back and, and read the other ones because yeah, Bernard Cornwell is always always good for for historical content yeah. and and if you read the sharp books you you will notice some uh, similarities uh, between uh, the the characters of, of uh, Thomas of Hookton and Richard sharp and there there will be some corrupt uh, both officers and uh, church officials I think that Bernard doesn't really like the, the Catholic Church that much actually. No, there's a, there's a good chance of that. <laughs> so, uh, my second offering is music, both a genre and a band. Uh, the genre is German Mittelalter Rock, which means medieval rock. Uh, this is, as the name suggests, mainly a German genre, and it involves using a mix of medieval and modern instruments and playing both traditional songs and their own compositions. Um, it's sometimes also called Neo-Medieval. Uh, and you can look that up on Wikipedia, as well as Mittelalter Rock. Um, it's not quite the same, but uh, neo-medieval is is also a good uh, a good descriptor. Now there are several bands I can recommend, including one of my all-time favorites, Saltatio Mortis. But the one band that I would suggest people check out first is Corvus Corax. Yes, Latin for Raven. They were one of the pioneers of the genre and one of the founding members is actually a historian specializing in musical research. Mm. Uh, so they have some pretty damn accurate stuff. He actually uh, left the band some years ago to just only focus on researching historical, especially medieval music. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, I think that that's, speaks to the authenticity. Yeah. Uh, I can recommend people check out their Cantus Buranus, which is uh, their project to perform the entire Camina Burana manuscript. Um, some of our listeners may know Camina Burana from the work of uh, classical composer Karl Orff, uh, but Karl Orff did the Camina Burana in the style of his day, mm. uh, where, uh, while uh, Corvus Corax is attempting to recreate it closer to how it would have sounded back then, because the the um, Camina Burana of Karl Orff is very much ominous Latin Latin chanting and uh, a big orchestral score. Uh, you people will have heard it in uh, in movies. It's it's used quite often. Yeah, Excalibur, um, for example. Exactly. Uh, but here, what Corvus Corax is doing is using more traditional uh, instruments of the time and um, and and trying to do the music as it would have sounded back then, as close as you can get, because um, we don't really know all that much about especially non-religious music 
of the day. Uh, so it's it's difficult to to recreate. Um, I personally really like using uh, Mittelalter rock as both uh, background music, but also when characters attend a feast, a fair, or another event where there might be musicians playing, um, as much of it aims to be as close to medieval vernacular music as possible. Um, Like I said, we don't really know that much about how vernacular music was played, but we do know that, that vernacular music did exist. Am I saying vernacular wrong? Is... I I I, no. I got it into my head that vernacular meant non-religious. Yeah, um, I think. But now 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 I I'm I'm thinking I might have uh, I might mean something else. <laughs> no, um, I think we're talking I think about vernacular is supposed to be uh, uh, because when the uh, uh, Catholics had their Rome two conference in the 1960s, they they changed it so that. The, uh, the sermons were actually held in, in vernacular. In the vernacular language. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know why I suddenly got confused. Um, but anyway, uh, check out some of this music because uh, people at the time, just like today, really liked music. Yeah. And uh, the big cities actually started having um, city musicians. Mm. For example, the city of uh, Lübeck, which I have visited a number of times in their city museum, they uh, have um, uh, an, an, uh, an area that talks about the city musicians, which were incorporated in, I think, the end of the 13th century, where you basically had a troop of musicians that were um, paid by the city and were the only musicians that were allowed to play at weddings and other big events so that um, they uh, it, it, they had a monopoly uh, on it. So we know that music, it, it was played all the time. Yeah, cool. Uh, um, yeah, so I, Peter, your last contribution. Yeah, my last contribution uh, is a series of comic books uh, by actually a, a Danish um, um, author called Peter Madsen, or as the Danes would pronounce it, Peter Madsen. But it's it's the Valhalla uh, series, which is uh, basically about uh, the Norse gods. Uh, Thor is quite often the the main character, and two of his uh, mortal servants, uh, Shalve and Droskva. Shalve is a young boy, and Droskva is his uh, younger sister. Um, and the the artwork uh, is is not very historical for a time, or it's it's surprisingly historical, but it it still is very much kind of a, a comic book style with with the clothes clothes and, yeah, and I, fancy I think... horned helmets and stuff like that. But but overall, it's it's still not the kind of uh, it, it's not Marvel. Uh, Marvel Comics Thor. It's uh, it's a big burly red haired guy with yeah. With I think uh, I think you can draw a parallel between the artwork in Valhalla and the artwork in Asterix. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's a very good uh, comparison. Actually, it's it's you can tell it's a comic, but it's it's not the over the top silly comic uh, comic style. Uh, and if if you want to have to get a feel for um, because it basically goes through a lot of, of the uh, the Norse myths uh, and mythology in general. Um, and what I like about it is that 
uh, not only is it, it it's a very accessible way to learn about the different um, the different stories about the gods. For example, when Thor went fishing for the um, the Midgard serpent uh, and stuff like that, um, but it, it it also touches about some of the darker or at least more adult uh, versions, like Odin going around having affairs with mortal women and uh, people actually dying uh, and I think in the later comics they actually do touch even about, uh, on the subject of Ragnarok, which is basically the world ending. Um, mm. And it, but it still does it in in a very accessible way. And another good thing I like is that uh, one of the um, one of the comics is about the the goddess of, of Freya, who is the god of of love and fertility, uh, and she actually has sexual affairs with people, but it's uh, she has a, very much an agency of her own, and it's it's completely on her terms. And you have a, uh, all of these other uh, male gods competing for her um, for her affection, uh, and in the end, uh, she she chooses the one that isn't necessarily the the biggest or the strongest or the um, or, or, or the like this most macho type which which I kind of like is that they they show the the independence uh, and especially the sexual independence of uh, women of uh, the the time period and at least in in that area uh, so yeah those are are very interesting and you could probably find them online or uh, What's funny here in Sweden, you can often find them in the children's section of your local library. Uh, yeah, same here in Denmark. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing you've read at least a few of them as well. Uh, I'm fairly certain my wife owns uh, the collected works. Uh, here in Denmark, they were put into a big collector issue mm. um, um, compilations yeah. a couple of years back. And my wife's been uh, putting them on her wish list for uh, birthday and um, and Christmas for the last couple of years. So I think she's managed to collect all of them. Ah, cool. Yeah. Um, have you seen the the cartoon that they did? Uh, no, the, the movie? I I haven't. But um, I've I've seen trailers on it. But I don't think it was released in in Sweden back when it was uh, released. Actually. Oh, so. okay. Uh, but while doing some research for this, I found out that they actually made a live-action movie in Denmark uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, oh, yeah, so I completely I'm, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so have, have you seen that one? Because uh, I, I saw no. the trailer and it was looked quite interesting, actually. So I'm, I'm thinking of trying to find that one. No, uh, I, I haven't seen that one, actually. I've, I've seen the, uh, the cartoon quite a number of mm. times because I've shown it to kids at work. Mm. But the movie, no, I, I, I need to go back and check that one out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah it, this, this is really, the, the, this comic book is an institution here in Denmark. And, and it's, there, there is a very strong parallel to Asterix because they've done their research. They've yeah. really done their research and then they've said, okay, we're not going to let the research get in way of telling a fun story. Exactly. And and that's kind of another point I, I wanted to make is that of course, this version of whatever story they cover is going to be slightly different from one that you might have read or kind of like the official one. But but again, it's it's mythology, it's religion, 
things are going to matter or, or uh, differ from just depending on on who tells the story so um so yeah it it might not be like the the very original found on some kind of runestone back from whatever but again there were probably many different stories and and if you read about well, if if you read about uh, the the Gospel of Jesus, you have you have the four different versions depending depending on on which uh, apostle you <laughs> uh, who wrote yeah. them. So so it's not like it's it's anything different. And and if you want to uh, if you want to incorporate Norse mythology uh, into your game, or if you're just interested in it in general, um, it's a very good starting point to get like kind of the the basics covered. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I can highly recommend that one. All right. So uh, my third and last offering is this: Ars Magica. Yes, I have talked about this role-playing game before and how it was one of the things that really awakened my love for medieval history. Uh, now the older editions of Ars Magica are interesting, if for no other reason than you can see the seeds of the World of Darkness, both the setting and the game system. Uh, and the game itself is quite fun if you want to play in the Middle Ages with the supernatural, like you know. Dark Ages, just in this case, you're playing wizards. However, the books explaining the Middle Ages, especially the ones that you get from third edition and forward, um, they are what I really, really like. They're well researched, they're well reasoned, uh, well researched, well written, uh, and they're easily approachable. Uh, they're not history textbooks, so people who might find more scholarly books dry and hard to read. Uh, they, they're, they're going to have an easier time with these because they're very much written by someone who understands, okay, we need to um, convey just uh, enough information for someone to uh, bring the setting alive mm -hmm. and, and play in the setting. Uh, in addition to that, uh, personally, I find their stuff on the supernatural very, very interesting. If you want some ideas on what people believe various plants did, what kind of fey creatures existed, folk beliefs on warding spells and things like that, these books are really, really good. So I think it's something where you can, uh, we can really steal some uh, some stuff for a Dark Ages game. So is the is the supernatural stuff more? medieval history based or, or is it still kind of like the modern version of, of vampires and werewolves and stuff like that? It is very much medieval uh, history based. Cool. They have uh, they, they have information on what did people in the Middle Ages believed, uh, believe various plants could do mm. in potions or what could various gemstones ward off um, their vampires exist only in Eastern Europe and ah, cool. um, yeah things like that so it's it's focused uh, the, the 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 idea with us magica was always let us take uh, the middle ages and then um involve the the medieval supernatural beliefs mm -hmm. uh, rather than you know dark ages vampire was always okay we have a vampire let's transport that back to uh, the middle yeah, ages exactly. and have the vampire mythology we've already built up exist within this yeah. Um, now, as magica, the the the, the magic uh, system and and the mages uh, have have no real um, parallel to anything they believed in the Middle Ages, but that is based uh, very much on Greek and Roman beliefs about magic. Oh, okay. uh, cool. But um, it's it's I've I've played it. Uh, I played uh, a a multi-year 
uh, game uh, campaign once and I've played a few times since then and it's just it's a game that I can always come back to and it, their source books are some uh, something that I've mined for information on uh, stuff both for campaigns I've run but also for books that I've written uh, for Storytellers Vault uh, it, they're, they're just a really great resource so even if you don't plan on playing the game if you want to have uh, some interesting stuff for your uh, for your Dark Ages game I can highly recommend Ars Magica books Is it set in a certain year or does it differ or is it up to the, uh, the players? I think edition uh, 1, 2 and 3 were officially uh, their official start date was 1197 Ah, what a coincidence <laughs> so. Yes, uh, and I think Fourth edition, I think the start date was twelve thirty, and I can't. I I haven't read enough fifth edition to know what the official start date is there, but I think that might also be twelve thirty. So it really covers the same area. But is, is the first few edition the ones that you go back to, or or have you been keeping up to date with the latest uh, as well? I've I've never gotten really beyond third edition when I when I played the the chronicle. I think we played second edition and third edition isn't really all that different. And then fourth edition changes a bit and then fifth edition, from what I've been able to tell, has changed things around quite a lot. But still, um, I, I, uh, I buy the, um, the, the source books uh, in, instead of, of the, the rule books because the source books have material that, that, I, can, that yeah. I can use. So how, how um, do the, the older source books kind of hold up today? Because I'm... I'm Guessing that not only your knowledge of uh, of the Middle Ages, but also the the author's knowledge has evolved quite a bit, and and things yes, that were yes, thought in can, the nineties. you can definitely aren't really bad. <laughs> you can definitely, yeah, you can definitely see that that uh, we, you know, the the first books were published back in I think the early nineties, if not earlier. Mm. So you can definitely see that that um, historical knowledge and the availability of historical research has evolved since then. So the, the later books are more well-researched, but still the first books were well-researched for the time they were written. Cool, yeah. Um, so that, uh, that, was, that was it for me. Um, links will be provided in the description on the podcast's homepage and on our Facebook page. So, Peter, any last comments from you? Uh, well, I, I said it in the end of the last side quest as well. If there, if our listeners have any tips on uh, uh, on things uh, or sources, materials, TV shows, uh, let us know on the Facebook group, Facebook group, and uh, so so that we can share with share with each other. Yeah, definitely. If you have anything that you think is is really really cool that can uh, that can help people with their campaigns, then uh, share, share, share. So next week is another look at a Dark Ages book. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Jacob, and from me, Peter. Farewell, and see you next time. Bye. Bye.